We've got 10 nights until the next full moon. Well, he was what I would call a Sasquatch. Pilots that showed unidentified flying objects. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. I don't believe 99% of the things that people claim they've seen. I think this is in that 1%. A lot of people make fun of me, but I don't care. I know it's there. G'day and welcome back to the Mellow Tiger podcast. I'm Bree Wolf and joined with me today again as always is Josh Ernst and Jordan Ernst. How are you guys? Yeah, good. Great to be here. My absolute pleasure to be back. Yeah, because I'm here. Um. <laughs> fucking long. That's so rude. <laughs> as we spoke about last episode, we have a bit of a a bit of a different special one planned. It's um the night of the Grizzlies. So I figured um did you just want to get into it? This might be straight a bit of a two-parter. Like, Let's just jump just straight in. Don't no jokes, please. <laughs> no, like no, whatever jokes you're thinking about, don't say it. <laughs> but yeah, just just to clarify, uh, I guess a bit of an exposition was uh, I was visiting. <laughs> this is so annoying. I annoy myself. It's happening this, again. I know, but like it, it annoys me. Don't worry. I think she's been somewhere. <laughs> Where do you think it is? Find out after this ad break. <laughs> Well, I was visiting Glacier National Park, I think it was 2018, and I was in the, just like, whatever, what do you call it, the place where you buy, like, the, what do you, like a, holy shit. What do you, you know what it is? Buy what? The what are souvenirs. we buying, bad stories? Like a gift shop. Yeah. Yeah, ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was a gift shop, and because you go there, and the first, because it's like the information centre, it's the first place you go, yeah. and I saw this book, and it said Night of the Grizzlies, and I was like, I'm down to read that, and then mum was fucking fully, you can't buy that, you're camping in there, like, you're going to scare yourself, and I was like, oh, it'll be right, sort of thing, I, I, it, was, it was pretty scary. <laughs> yeah, I'd say mum was siding on the like caution, and I think she would have been right, because that sounds... Taking a book like that into like a national park where there's grizzly bears, yeah, probably not the best idea. It made me feel better, to be honest, because it, it like the, it's like a pretty fucked situation that the, the national parks kind of dropped the ball pretty badly. Mm. And I believe they had since learned their lesson. So I actually kind of felt safer. Because yeah, because like, it was sort oh, of like a wake-up call for them. Well, yeah, and I realised why these incidents happened and I wasn't doing any of those things. And when we were camping... We set up two tents. So it was mum and dad and Dan and I. We set up two tents. I, we were in one. They were in the other. But mum refused to camp in the other. She was that scared. She would not camp in the tent. She wanted to sleep in the car. So dad's like, all right. So they went to sleep in the car. But the funny thing is, they didn't have bear boxes where we were staying. So you have to put all the food in the car. So she was sleeping in the car with all the food in the car. And if the grizzlies came around, they were going to the car first. <laughs> it's like Jurassic Park where the, he runs to the toilet and thinks he's safe. Yeah, pretty, he's yeah, pretty, straight the toilet. pretty much. And, but you just look at it. There's just one tent with Dan and I in it because she didn't care if we died. She was like, whatever, you do, you boo. And then the other tent was just full of all our luggage that we couldn't store in the car anymore because mum and dad insisted on sleeping in the car. And then dad has like really bad, what is it, like claustrophobia. Yeah, yeah. So he, he woke up in the middle of the night and mum's like laying half on him. And he was like... Literally, like, thought he was dying. Like, couldn't get out of the car quick enough. And mum was just so... She was terrified the whole time. She thought she was going to get eaten by a grizzly. I'm going to take my chances with the bears. Imagine being dad claustrophobia or a bear outside. I need to kill something. Didn't care, but I just... I thought it was funny because mum was terrified of the grizzlies. But then I was like, you're not special. Like, you're not going to be the one that gets attacked by a grizzly. But then... We had uh, we were on our way to Yellowstone National Park, and there had just been a grizzly attack, like just before we oh, arrived really? there. It was a ten year old boy, and they were. It was like him. He was hiking with his family, 
and you're not allowed to you're not supposed to run obviously when you mm. see a grizzly and like how do you tell a 10 year old kid who's really scared that so he ran and the grizzly attacked him it was a sow and cubs but it just bit him on the butt that was it like just, just, just bit him on the butt and then ran off because i used the bear spray and was like yeah oh, that's good fun <laughs> You know, some people are so dumb, like that they think the bear spray is like it's like a repellent. It's and one not. lady, yeah, oh, you mean you mean like they think it's insect repellent? Yes. Sort of thing. Oh, jeez. So one lady, oh, uh, no. one of the national parks oh, dudes, like yeah. the rangers, was telling me that one lady lined her three kids up <laughs> and sprayed them. With no way. Spray no, I think she knew what was going Dude, on. Yeah, that would have been annoying. That's what teach you. <laughs> it's literally like what, like fucking five times just human pepper spray and oh she my sprayed God. Kids. but then people also will spray their tent with it and it's like it's a smell like it's like a pepper spray so it draws the bears in because I'm like hmm, that smells interesting you know what I mean like unless you spray it in their face it doesn't work it has the opposite effect but she lined she lined her three kids up like she was giving them a spray tan they would have damn near died. They wouldn't I be able to breathe. Yeah. The bear would be licking them going, mm, this is spicy. Imagine yeah. if I got this in my eyeball. That would burn. This, this is stuff like is made to deter bears and she just sprayed it on her three kids. Yeah, that's yeah, what I heard a little bit. And that, the thing that I think is wild, like this is wild to me, the people will go to national parks and they won't check in with rangers or they won't, like you can go there and there's information centers, there's pamphlets, there's ranger talks all the time. You can go and watch a movie on what the park's about, your, your actions, what you should and shouldn't do, the mm. rules of the park. Yeah. And people don't bother. They're just like, meh. Do you think they're too keen to just get out there and do what they're doing? And I, they're just like, oh, this is just like going think, through the hoops kind of thing. Like, I think so. But at the same time, I also think they have a general lack of disrespect. Like, sorry, they oh, no, lack yeah. respect for what they... I Like, even we would go in there and there would be people like so close to the bison, which is the number one incident causes in the yeah. national parks. And yep. they would be like, hey, can I pat the moo cow? And it's just like, <laughs> it's not a... It's not a it's like we talked about before. They don't see teeth. They don't see claws. They just exactly. see this fluffy little animal. And they're like, oh, cool. Must be like a cow. I can go pat it. Yeah, and then Karen's getting reefed up to the moon <laughs> and wondering what she did wrong. But anyway. This isn't like the one in the pub. Turn it off! <laughs> <laughs> pretty, but pretty much you see it all the time, people, or even with grizzlies, because you get wildlife jams where if you're driving along and you see a grizzly bear, everyone will, like, stop and pull over. And it can take hours to get places because, like, we had one happen once and we thought you'd get into the front of the line. We'd been gone for, like, an hour and a half just crawling, not even, like, stopped half the time. And it was over fucking geese. Geese. Oh, really? Geese. I was like, it's got to be a bear. Like, we've been here for ages, people looking at bears. But that's what happens. Then what happens is everyone pulls over. You're trying to get a photo of the bear. Someone else is trying to get a photo of the bear. Oh, then Stephen moves a bit closer because Alfred moved in front of Stephen and now James has to move in front of bloody Stephen. And then next minute they're 10 feet away from this bear and they don't even realise it. They just start... Because you're looking down a lens a lot of the time as well. They don't realise that. And they probably see these animals in zoos and they're just like, oh man, they look sluggish. Yeah, dude, I'll post a video on Instagram. I showed Jord a video of it, of when we encountered a grizzly in Glacier National Park. And it's like... When we first saw it, it was like six or seven feet from us. It popped up out of the brush. The dude told us, you know, if if you we weren't in a big group of people, you we'd be dead sort of thing. Like it would have attacked us. He'd never been so close to one in his life. We were with this guy and he had a camera and he was snapping these shots and the bear was getting closer and closer to him and he was just snapping. Like Daniel had to literally go and drag, grab him by like the collar and drag him backwards. Because he was, they're so focused yeah. on the animal. They're Everything's not, safe yeah. through a lens, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. They don't realise. He probably didn't want to put his camera down. I'll just, I'll just do it. <laughs> do bears mug? <laughs> yeah. 
the source for this episode is a book called Night of the Grizzlies by Jack Olson. So at the time of the attacks, Jack was a journalist for Sports Illustrated magazine and he was tasked with entering Glacier National Park and writing an article about the incident. Jack was so intrigued by the events leading up to the fatal night and the night itself that he ended up writing Night of the Grizzlies. And I highly recommend this book. You liked it, hey, Joel? Loved it. I've read it over the last couple of days and it, I really got captivated by it. It really yeah. drew me in. So just basically the whole idea is on the same night, well, it was it was really early morning. It was like 12 a.m., but they call it Night of the Grizzlies. Two attacks occurred in the National Park, two fatal ones in completely different areas by completely different bears, and this was a national park that had never had an attack Holy before. Holy shit, this is a coup. So that's why people were just like, what is going on? Like, They're this communicating. Is- yeah, <laughs> pretty some of the theories, too. It was, I think it, well, the park was open in 1920 or something like that, wasn't it? Yes. So it was like 50 years there'd been no recorded like, bear attacks. Really? Like there'd been attacks, no fatalities, yeah. sorry. Now's yes, our exactly. time. <laughs> so uh, Glacier National Park is located in northern Montana and consists of a million acres of pristine, untamed wilderness. The peaceful yet dangerous park is often described as a timeless natural world remaining unchanged and at its core, wild. So Glacier National Park was established in May 1910, and at the time, compared to now, it was considered almost infested with bears. The grizzly bear was a huge drawcard for the park, but a lot of -of out-of-state visitors and even some park employees seemed unable to afford the potentially dangerous animal the respected unmistakingly deserved. A park ranger at Glacier had even once said, if you set up a danger index ranging from 0 to 10, where the butterfly is 0 and the rattlesnake is 10, the grizzlies of Glacier National Park would be between zero and one. The rattlesnake kills about 150 Americans a year. The grizzly kills about none. It's foolish to talk about the grizzly menace to human life. Mm. So that's basically the vibe. And that's what I think a lot of the people didn't care because these rangers that are working there are telling these people that these things are not dangerous. Yeah, this was in 1967. So yeah. I don't know to what extent research or whatever like i think for example the biologists and the naturalists for the most part they were like no these these animals are dangerous animals yeah. but the rangers were like you don't mess with the bear the bear won't you don't go with near you. yogi bear yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> but even even like it wasn't even like don't go near the bears it was like oh if you see a bear just shoot away like the, that's the bear is more scared of you than shoot you are away. Bear. exactly like that's what the the general vibe was don't, yeah like they i think i read even at one stage they, like a couple was like what can we do about bears and they were like oh don't worry about and they're like what can we should we get bear spray and they're like nah even just from reading the book even though i know what such a dangerous animal it is like i've never encountered one obviously living in australia but even i was starting to think are these bears as crazy as everyone look these people are putting it on as these uh, soft cuddly things that as soon as they see you or get a whiff of you they're straight out of the area they are so scared of you you're never you're gonna hardly encounter one no even the bears I saw in Glacier National Park, I don't know if they were just used to people frequenting that trail which i'd say they were because they were sitting around eating the berries but it, they were kind of indifferent to us. Not like they they weren't curious of us or whatever, and they kind of moved away. But he wasn't bothered by us. Hey, like yeah. he was just like, eh, you like I'll just walk on the trail. Like I'm not bothered by you so much. He didn't want to be around us, but he wasn't like hoofing it away. He was mm. just kind of, I'm just gonna eat this berry and then I'll move along. Like he wasn't bothered. You're lucky that berry filled me up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people had gone missing in the park and were never seen again, dead or alive. However, there had been no obvious evidence pointing towards bears. When the long hot summer of 1967 began, Glacier National Park officials were proud to say not a single documented death could be blamed on a grizzly. That was going to change, though, as in the early morning hours of August 13, 1967, 
Two completely separate and unrelated savage attacks took place in, a dif- in different areas of the park, resulting in two horrific deaths and various injuries. So it was a different bear, different people. That's like crazy. A different place, to be that long, time. nothing happens, then bang, on the same night. Yep. Crazy, hey. So in order to understand what happened and why this happened, we need to go back to the beginning of the summer of 1967. In the area of Lake McDonald, close by to the location of one of the fatal attacks, there was a bunch of cabins known as Kelly's Camp. So Kelly's Camp was privately owned and not a part of the park, but was completely surrounded by park. Kelly's Camp basically... It was uh before it was pre-establishment to the park. So the park, mm. they were like, okay, this is a national park now, but people own that land and they didn't sell it to the government. I'm pretty sure it was from the settlers or something of that area, yeah. wasn't so it? They so had, it's been in the family the whole time. Yeah. So what basically happened was it was Get like, out. <laughs> <laughs> you would think so, but it was so it was in there and it was completely surrounded by the park. Mm. But you the um the descendants of the people who had built it and lived there and refused to sell it would come during the summer. Because remember in America, it's not like in Australia, like in America, summers last like three months. And if you're like a school teacher or whatever. You're you saying the work... Australian summer doesn't last three months? Sorry. Let me clarify. <laughs> I'm like, so we get like six, we get like... Does it? <laughs> yes. We get like six week holidays, Every right? Year. Like over, over uh, summer. Whereas they, they have a holiday period of three months. They don't have the two weeks, whatever it is, all year. No, do that's that. right. No. Like over their Christmas periods on like two weeks sort of thing. Like that's it. And then the summer and that's all they get. So a lot of people like teachers and that will go and become seasonal employees of the parks and, or you would take your kids for three months and that's what they would do at this Kelly's camp. They, it was, it was basically the descendants of the people or the descendants would rent the cabins out to other people. So it was kind of just like a little caravan park, but Mm. with cabins. Mm. That's, that's the basic idea of it. So lost your home, but you can come visit when you want. (laughs) No, they still owned it. Oh, okay. So they still owned it. The park the park didn't own it or anything. They owned it. The descendants did. And if the descendant didn't end up going it was like holiday accommodation, like you own the cabin and then you would you're the descendant owns the cabin oh, and then someone you else rent it out to randoms. Right. Yeah. Or you would go there yourself. So one resident, Mrs. Berry, who was the who was there early on in the summer, had noticed a grizzly that didn't look too healthy. It was mangy, missing fur, and its head was strangely misshapen. Mrs. Berry noted that its claws were longer than other bears that she'd seen, and she figured it hadn't been using it for foraging, so they hadn't worn properly. She thought maybe the bear was trying to survive by eating leftovers in the trash. It was by all accounts underweight, malnourished, and looked unwell in general. She decided when she got a chance, she would mention the bear to one of the ranger, one of her ranger friends, but felt there was no rush as she'd never really felt threatened by the grizzlies that had hung around the camp over the years, and she didn't see why this one would be any different. So she'd be coming to, like, she's a descendant. Mm. She'd come every summer. They'd go, they'd always have bears or whatever. And she's like, oh, a little bit of a sick bear. But she's gotten that used to them that this yeah. is not alarming yeah. her at all. No, because no. she's like, oh, they, like I said, they, it's practically infested with bears. Like, yeah. they're everywhere. It's just they're another just, day. They're just like, oh, bear, that's what you see. However, her opinion of this grizzly would change over the coming weeks. The first unusual behavior she noted was the bear's lack of fear for humans. She'd caught the bear digging through some trash cans outside and she'd made tentative noises to try and frighten it away. It straight up didn't care. It stood up to stare her down and even took some menacing steps towards her. My trash pile. (laughs) 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 See, see, this is mine now. (laughs) That's what it was like. She warned the kids of the camp about the grizzly, saying it wasn't a skittish bear like the ones they were used to seeing and to come inside as soon as they saw it. Oh, so they're sort of on to it a bit. Yeah, she was like, this It's acting weird. a little bit different. So yeah. They've noticed already, like, hmm. Just come inside for now. We'll do a risk assessment. Pretty much, yeah. 
oh, I've got like four children. <laughs> What's one missing? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Soon the bear began to frequent the garbage cans every three days like clockwork. Each time, Mrs. Berry noted very unbear-like behavior. The grizzly would fly into rages, bashing the garbage cans around, and then it would stand up on its hind legs and playfully bat at the moths flying around the lights above. Moments later, it would be back on all fours, messing with the trash cans again. So this is unbear-like behavior, getting cranky. Yes. Yeah, like the, this. Well, there, I guess at the or, park and that. Yeah, like, and like I get if it's gone through trash cans and it's making a lot of noise, like it's like, oh, people are going to come out or like it just. But even the part where she said she went out and started making noise towards it and it kind of just looked at her and yeah. then like, took a couple of steps towards it. Like, that's not like. No, bear they would run away straight away. Mm. They'd be like, bye. Sorry. Really? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. After only a couple of visits, the bear seemed to become incredibly agitated by any motion coming from inside the cabins. It would charge at the walls of the cabin or try and hit the window panes. Oh, if no, that's, <laughs> dude, that's creepy. If someone forgot not to move around while the bear was present, it would slam the full weight of its body into the sides of the cabin. That's getting a bit. Dude, WWF, like <laughs> John Cena style. like. Yeah. And they're just like, but imagine like, oh, the bear's back. No one move. Like, it, Just do your thing during the day. It's your normal routine. Let's get someone in here. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. So. I, and I believe even by this stage, Mrs. Berry had yet to inform a ranger of the troubles. Oh, there. She hadn't so. said shit yet. But I think someone's like, they were all like, stand still. Nobody move. And then I think one of the family members or someone in the house just forgot about it kind of thing. And they yeah. walked and then it got angry and hit the wall. Could you just imagine? Oh, God damn it, Jimmy. You'd be yelling, <laughs> told you not yeah, to it's move. your fault that bear's <laughs> hit the wall. Exactly. They like, like coughed or something yeah. and the bear flew into a rage yeah. and attacked the cabin. I hope it eats you. <laughs> you're my least favourite anyway then next I'll call you, the ranger next time you cough take it outside <laughs> then I'll call the ranger ranger Dan will be coming when you're down <laughs> as summer progressed the camp became busier noisier and packed full of visitors so just picture like families with their children like running around in the woods and swimming in the lake so adding right extra by. people to this yep. area yeah. right. it's super it's like summer's the busiest time of year for national parks are you in a briefing like when they walk into the camp they're like hey when you're inside don't move I don't know if she did. No, I didn't. That's I didn't notice her. Well, definitely wasn't in the book about her saying to the anyone coming into the camp about this bear. And I'm pretty sure, like, she was a regular at the camp. There was a couple other regulars too. They may have had a conversation about Mm. it, but at this stage, I think she was just like, whatever. You'd think they would. Like, what else is there to do? I'd say, especially with kids and stuff running around the woods, she would have had to say something to someone. Yeah, would have. She's probably like better all these people now than me. The bear might leave me alone. (laughs) You're a terrible person. <laughs> I'm just trying to get inside her head. Like, look at all these human That's shields slander. running around. <laughs> like, well, she's a suspect by what's it called? Oh. Like, what is it? Like, um, by proxy? Yeah, like, that's yeah, it. Yeah, you're yeah. an associate. She's worse now. than this bear. <laughs> On a bright and sunny day, a man called W. H. Hammond, or as he preferred to be called, Teat, <laughs> called a little witch's Teat. He liked to be called Teat. Had laid out of lunch, like he was an older dude. But well, he liked to be called Teat. Yeah, Not people like, just called him to pick on him. No, he's like, he, call me Teat. He, he was like, my name's Teat. He's <laughs> fine with it. Yeah, 100% like, fine. Okay, he was, yeah, he yeah. was an older gentleman. So he'd laid out the, a lunch spread on a table on the porch of his cabin. It was his birthday and they were about to have a little bit of a shindig. Just before the party had begun, Teat and some men had spotted the bear hanging around the edge of the woods and noted how poorly it looked. The party began and everything was in full swing when some guests looked over the side of the porch railing to see the bear standing at the bottom of the stairs. They yelled to take the food inside and Teat ran to scare the bear off. He was yelling and waving his arms. Goodbye, Teat. 
but the bear didn't seem bothered by teat. It started making its way up the stairs of the porch. How scary. Oh, what so, the... Dude, not only was it not bothered, it was just like, can I come? Like, <laughs> just where's my invitation? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone keeps doing this. I never get to go to none of these things. 50 goddamn years since it's place has been on place. my ham up there. Yours got them pigs and blankets. <laughs> Tate, a retired sheriff, retrieved his old lever action 2535 and returned just as the animal had turned and started making its way into the rest of the camp. Tate went after the sound of people screaming and came across the bear. It kept coming towards him, not deterred by his presence, so he fired a warning shot at about a foot in front of it. It rose as if to charge and then it ran off. Oh. It was just like, I'll get you next time, Tate. Mm. A warning he, shot. I think he went to take like a second aim at it or something, didn't yeah, he? And he it like did, walked and behind it- like a. He it walked behind something like I can just imagine it just like staring him down. And as soon as he aims up the rifle, it just kind of like just takes a step to the, to the left the behind a pine tree. Like the whole actual. outline can be seen. Yeah, like, like menacingly. This yeah. is a movie script. I finally got. Oh no, he's just out of sight. Yeah. and you'll hear it time and time again. Mm. So Tate went home and made a much overdue phone call to the Rangers. He made four phone calls. Thank God for Tate. Yeah, right? <laughs> so happy. And they finally showed up just on dark, and they informed they informed Tate he didn't have to worry about the bear as they saw it heading towards Trout Lake when they were driving in. So Trout Lake's right by Kelly's camp. And they're sure it was the bear, not one of the I, other millions that... I assume so if they see a bear running around. You don't see... Uh, I don't know. Well, I guess they assumed it was. I don't they know. might have described it to him like it was. It looked sick malnourished. Blue. Yeah, sick, sick bear. Sick bear. <laughs> I saw a sick bear. Yeah, I saw a sick, sick bear. bear. Run yeah. away. Got a weird skinny head. That's what they all say. <laughs> they all like, say yeah. that. They like, had a weird skinny head. <laughs> Tate was just like, yeah, that little bitch better run. <laughs> So over the next few weeks, the bear would return periodically and the residents would drive around with firearms. Like, that's how scared of it so they were. So this is a few weeks. So it, ca- it carries on a few weeks later after this incident. Yeah. Jeez, I thought it would have just heated up the straight rain, after that. Yeah, no, well, the, well, it wasn't always in there, remember? It only came every few days. Yeah, right. yeah. So the rangers tried to trap it twice to no avail, so they didn't catch it. So I think they had the idea that they'd trap it and relocate it. Several times the rangers would show up after being called and they'd arrive just minutes too late and the bear would oh, already be God. gone. One morning, about an hour before dawn, resident Jim Hindle heard a noise that sounded like a thumbnail screeching across a violin oh, sounding God, board. This is yeah. very cute. He scrambled out of bed and grabbed his gun because he had a pretty good idea what was making the noise. He'd been aware of the strange bear's presence in the camp for weeks now and he was done with its shit. Like, he was mad. Finally, someone. And it was a bear with a violin. (laughs) (laughs) Hindle had been frequenting Glacier National Park for almost 40 years, about four times as long as any of the park rangers, and he was enraged that this unusual bear still hadn't been dealt with and was now endangering him and his wife. He ran from his bedroom towards the screeching sound, and sure enough, two panels of his cabin screen door had been slashed, and bits of the fly screen were flapping in the light breeze. The bear was trying to enter the cabin. Hindle spied the grizzly standing about two metres away. He carefully poked the barrel of the gun through the slash in the screen door, but as he did, the skinny bear moved away behind a a butane gas tank and out of his line of fire. Imagine that behind a gas tank. Take the shot, man. Do you think you're accurate enough? (laughs) You're coming with me. (laughs) I'm going to hold a hostage. If I'm going down, you're coming with me. So Hindle was missing his right hand. Get around Hindle, by the way. This man, I'm really loving. He's finally just, this is how it's going to be. Wait, no, you're just going to love him some more. So Hindle was missing his right hand, but that hadn't stopped him from dealing with bear problems in the past. So he took his double barrel shotgun outside and prepared to end this bear's reign of terror over Kelly's camp. It was still half dark outside, but Hindle was able to see the bear as it ran behind a fence. For a short moment, the bear rose on its hind legs, exposing its head and chest. Hindle lined him up, but before he could fire a shot, the bear ran off. Oh, this is... 
Hindle waited a few minutes for the bear to return, but he knew it had left his immediate vicinity when he heard a dog barking excitedly about a kilometre away up by the lake. Hindle went to the ranger station to report the incident and he was pissed. He'd been advising the park for years on how to deal with issues and for years they'd been ignoring him. He sounded kind of like an old man Karen, but like yeah. a legit old man Karen. I know, you know? And, they're, and they're sick of listening to his shit yeah, kind of thing. Like, like, oh, here Hindle. comes Hindle again. This is my favourite part. He warned them that if they didn't do something about this grizzly soon, someone was going to end up dead. In response to Hindle requesting a ranger to come and deal with the bear, the Parks Department sent a part-time employee, a college student, to conduct an interview where the student asked Hindle if he was sure it was a bear. Do you reckon he slapped him with his stump? I reckon, Hindle, <laughs> I reckon Hindle's gone, just wait there a second, go back in for the no. double gauge. Hindle replied, son, I've seen more grizzly bears than you have flies. <laughs> Listen here, you little whippersnapper. <laughs> The report was filed and it basically said the bear caused no real damage and it was just rummaging for food. Oh, this is getting He tried to enter the cupboard. Nah, he's fine. Like, who cares? But did it get inside? No, oh, well, it's all good. Are you no. dead? <laughs> no real damage. That man's fly screen. Oh my God, it took your head. <laughs> <laughs> we better... No, we won't talk about it. Imagine though the rangers are that poor college shooting. They're like, yeah, you can go deal with Hindu. Like, no, they yeah. all have drawn straws. It's probably like, like a... Like, go get that left-handed screwdriver kind of yeah. thing. Like, just go deal with Hindu. You get Hindu. <laughs> Not too long after that, Tate was being visited by a lumberman friend from Montana when he got a call from Mrs. Berry's children. Mrs. Berry had gone green shopping and in her absence the bear had shown up tate and his mate lou grabbed rifles and hot-tailed it over there like honestly tate sounded like the sweetest guy he was like don't you kids move everything's okay uncle tate's are coming like, yeah, tate's yeah. coming. he sounded so lovely cover so, your ears yeah. <laughs> <laughs> tate and his mate snuck into the children's bedroom careful not to disturb the mangy bear that was digging through trash cans just two meters from the bedroom window silently the men stretched themselves out on the kid's bed and took aim at the grizzly's head but no shot rang out each man was waiting for the other to shoot. See, Tate was apprehensive. He was thinking about how a woman in the camp had thought the bear was cute and had even talked to the bear like a little baby. He was worried about possible backlash if he blew the sweet little bear's brains out. He's so lovely. He's like, I don't want to make her sad. Like, yeah. But also, like, just kill it. Meanwhile, Lou, Tate's mate, was concerned he would get in trouble from the parks department as he was only a visitor. The two men watched the bear for a total of 30 minutes. At one point, it even flew into a brief rage over seemingly nothing, slapping at the window, but not breaking the glass. What, the bear or the woman? <laughs> the bear. When it had eaten its fill, the bear simply moved on. I will not take those sexist remarks. <laughs> That's what I wanted. By August, the bear was only showing up at the camp every five days, but then a ranger stopped by and told Kelly's camp that no one should be worried about the bear anymore as the bear was now at Trout Lake tearing up camps there. Can you imagine the ranger? No, y'all, y'all got nothing to worry about. It's now ruining it's their someone else's problem yeah. over there. Are you going to help them? Oh, uh, uh, well, no, he's probably got to move off to somewhere else after that. For the first time that summer, Kelly's camp was able to relax a little. So Trout Lake was located up over Howe Ridge, a six and a half kilometres away from Kelly's camp and was a popular fishing spot as it was close to a road offering reasonable access, but the climb was steep enough to weed out people who would make the area too busy. To access Trout Lake from Lake McDonald, hikers would take a trail that began not far from Kelly's camp and climb 2,000 feet in almost three and a half kilometres, a rate that would quickly get rid of all but the most serious hikers. Once you got to the top of Howe Ridge, it was a chill 1,500 foot descent through the woods to the, le to the lake. Trout Lake lies in a bowl rimmed by mountains and was densely populated with bears of both the black and brown variety. The forest around the lake was so lush you wouldn't even be aware of the huge amount of bears surrounding you. Like, you'd just be in there and they'd, there'd be like 10 of them like, he's mine, he's mine, he's mine, he's mine. <laughs> and you wouldn't even know. See the eyes from the forest just lighting yeah, up. <laughs> pretty much. 
It became evident, though, that the strange bear frequenting Kelly's camp was also making appearances at Trout Lake at the same time. One afternoon on June 25th, 1967, roughly a week or so after the bear first showed up at Kelly's camp, a couple of 22-year-old honeymooners, Peter and Ellen Cummings, arrived at the Trout Lake campsite. Peter and Ellen had planned to spend that night at the lake and then continue on hiking for three or four days into the One Million Acre Park. Before they started their hike, they had spoken to a ranger about the possibility of encountering bears and if they should be concerned. They were told that the only serious danger would be if they surprised a sow and her cubs and the sow felt the need to protect her babies. They were informed that the possibility of an attack was so low that it would be insane to happen. But if they were still concerned, maybe carry bear bells. So bear bells are like jingle bells. They're like bells you attach to your packs and they ring and it's supposed to like alert the bear so you don't surprise it and it'll run away instead of like walking along going, whoa, bear, or making noise. Yeah. Um, but they, there's actually been some people say that they reckon, they think that there could also be incidences where it attracts a bear to the person because it's like, what I was thinking when I was reading them. I was just like, instead of like being the bear bell, maybe it's like a dinner bell, like ringing for yeah. that bear. And it's just like, hey, there's another one of those little easy things to catch. <laughs> the little pink humans. Little pink humans. <laughs> but the, wor- the worst thing as well, like when you're hiking and you have to make noise is... You get sick of saying we're a bear and you're like, I'll just have a conversation. And then it always ends up in a fight. Like Dan and I would always start fighting because it would always be like, you're trying to say stuff and you're just absentmindedly saying things. You're like, ha because you don't pick that up. And you're like, well, you don't clean this. And then it turns into a fight and the bear's like, I won't go near that. Yeah, the bear's walking away going, I don't want none of that. We had a French man who was like, I hike with you guys. And we started arguing. He's like, I'm going to hike up there now. Like he literally left us. He'd rather chance getting killed by hiking alone than dealing with mine and Daniel's bullshit. Which I thought was funny. I'm going to go eat, get eaten by a bear. <laughs> like, I would rather die than listen to you whinge about dirty socks. <laughs> the Cummings were meticulous in planning for their trip and adhered to all advice and precautions given to them. So they strapped the bear bells to their packs and headed to Trout Lake. So by all accounts, from what I read, they're like a ranger's like dream of visitors. Like they went and they saw them. They're like, this is our plan. What can we do to make our trip the safest that we can. And they'll just like, you're fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> the one, one time someone actually goes to the effort to come yeah, in exactly and do it. The right? rangers are just like, Oh no, nah, so like, yeah. They're me. just like, I'm not used to these questions. These <laughs> yeah. We haven't had a visitor in 10 years. <laughs> they got to the log jam on trout Lake, made camp and settled in for the evening. So the log jams, like obviously exactly what it sounds like a bunch of logs jammed in the lake. Ellen had made ravioli and they were sitting in their tent about to tuck in when they heard a large crash coming from the fire grate area where they had stacked their provisions and gear temporarily. Peter was unconcerned and asked Ellen to take a peek through the tent flap because she was closest and in Glacier National Park the closest oh, rule still applies. <laughs> Ladies first. Yeah. She was like literally like what chivalry's not dead. He's like, you look, you're closest. <laughs> Ellen was like, no, nah, I'm frightened. You do it. So yeah. Peter So Peter obliged and pulled back the tent flap to investigate. What he saw was a grizzly bear with a misshapen head, old skinny head mate, popping open the cans with its teeth. The bear had made its way into the middle of the Cummings camp and was now eating their supplies. Peter motioned for his wife to stay quiet and he took her hand and half led, half directed Ellen from the tent and back up the trail to safety. As they passed by the bear, which was eight feet away, it showed no interest in their presence. They walked about 50 metres up the trail and when they stopped for a breath, they saw the fish. Uh, they saw two fishermen at the edge of the lake. The Cummins approached them and the four of them began coming up with a plan. There was a nervous vibe, but no one was actually scared. They'd all been told over and over that the bears in the park would run from humans, so surely this bear would notice their presence shortly and scamper off. It only took a few minutes for the four of them to come to the conclusion that they weren't dealing with a regular bear. They noted its skinny frame and mangy coat and the strange manner it was acting in. It was hastily tearing through their supplies and canvas packs. 
Peter noticed the bear was destroying their entire food supply and without thinking, he began yelling at the bear, telling it to get out and go home. Like, go on, get. Like how dad yells at the dogs, <laughs> go on, get out of it. <laughs> the bear remained unfazed. It didn't even glance in their direction. It just continued to slowly and systematically destroy their camp. When it had made its way through the Cummings provisions, it started on their tent, ripping it open with a single claw and destroying everything inside. After 25 minutes had passed, the grizzly casually strolled 10 metres to the lake for a drink. He's like, thirsty work. (laughs) (laughs) Peter saw this as his and Alan's opportunity to sneak back into their camp and salvage what they could. Of the 15 cans of food they brought, only two hadn't been opened. An extra set of Peter's long underwear had been chewed into strips and, and reeked of bear. The aluminium pack frames had been bent out of shape and the tent was completely torn up. He's going to need those underwear. Yeah, he's just like, why my fancy laundries? I was going to wear them for Ellen later. <laughs> he's not getting any after sending her in first. <laughs> <laughs> As soon as he's like, you look, she's like, you're dead to me. On their honeymoon. She's like, it smells like bear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As quietly as they could, they retrieved their untouched sleeping bags and went to grab their packs, forgetting they had previously attached the bear bells. The grizzly, having heard the bells, immediately returned to the tent. Can't win. With their arms full of whatever they could carry, Peter and Ellen hot-tailed it back up to the trail to a shelter cabin about three kilometres away where they spent the night. Meanwhile, jingling all the way. Pretty much. But that's what there's lots of different like shelter cabins and trail cabins. It's mainly for the people who like work on the trails or or ranges if they have to be out in that area. I think for the most part they're locked, but sometimes they're not. The next morning when the Cummings went to leave, they noticed fresh bear scat surrounding the cabin, but couldn't see any bears. So it's like maybe he was like, where did you go? Mm. Want to come have a bit of a sneaky peek? (laughs) What are these honeymoons up to? (laughs) (laughs) They walked. Look, it's this bear with a camcorder. <laughs> Let the magic happen. Pretend I'm not here. You're right, this bear is weird. <laughs> <laughs> they walked for around an hour and made it back to Lake McDonald, where they ran into an acquaintance that they had originally met in West Glacier. The person's father worked for the park service. Ellen and Peter told him what had happened with the strange bear, and the guy wasn't surprised at all. He began telling them about how the same bear had bothered Kelly's camp a few weeks ago and how the park service planned on tranquilizing the animal and relocating it further north. The couple ended up back at the ranger station outside West Glacier and filed a report about the grizzly. A ranger who had filed their report had one question. What was the bear's name? The Cummins expressed confusion and were asked again, what was its name? The ranger told the couple that sometimes bears got nicknames if they'd caused enough trouble with a lot of different people. I didn't read his damn tag. His name's Shithead. (laughs) Peter answered the ranger saying they didn't catch its name. But that's like... It the range has gone case closed. <laughs> <laughs> but that just goes to show like how not serious they were taking just the situation. Just nonchalant as, as anything. Also hey. not how not serious they were taking the situation, but also like he was aware it was causing a lot of trouble with a lot of different people. And then it's like, oh, what's a cute little fellow's name? Like he was eating this. Maybe he's being serious. If it's Jimmy... You'll know if it's Jimmy. Takes his belt off. That damn bear. Don't worry. (laughs) If it's Carol, she's just misunderstood. (laughs) She'll just emotionally hurt you. (laughs) For the next few months, the bear alternated between Kelly's camp and the camp at Trout Lake. At this stage, no physical contact was made between humans and the bear. But there were times when it came close. The grizzly would shadow hikers, sometimes following them hundreds of metres at a time and scaring them half to death. The predatory behaviour of the bear alarmed even the most knowledgeable park visitors. According to park regulations, a bear like this one should be captured and destroyed. 
It was storming into camps, destroying gear and supplies, and it completely ignored ignored being shouted at and even pelted with rocks. Somehow, the malnourished bear was able to survive through the months of June and July, and the Park Service didn't appear overly concerned. When two campers had to climb a tree to avoid the rampaging bear, they reported the incident to a ranger executive, so it's just like a higher-up ranger. They were told that others had also encountered the grizzly and something would have to be done about the bear sooner or later. It's like such a fob off. Please tell it's me they're just, getting it now. It's just putting it off and off and off. Yeah. It's just because no one's getting hurt. They're just thinking that this bear's just a little yeah. bit of a troublemaker. And you kind of find out later, like the rangers had a lot on. Like they were all spread really thinly and yeah. they just didn't prioritize this. I bear. can just see me walking into their office and telling them this. And then you look to your left. What's that cat poster? They're just hanging there. Just hanging there. <laughs> but instead of just hanging there, it's got, but did you die? <laughs> Keep calm and don't die. <laughs> When a fisherman had a string of freshly caught trout stolen by the bear and then was chased along the shoreline of the lake, he reported the incident to the ranger who actually seemed bored by the story. That bear's been chasing people all summer, was the response he received. The fisherman uh, queried... Yeah, right? something about it? The fisherman queried, what are you going to do when it catches somebody? To which the ranger cheekily replied, well, I don't know. He hasn't caught anyone yet. Oh, no, yeah. What yeah. the fuck? So we want to die and then we'll do something. No, you are. You said you are, but what am I? <laughs> like, that's what that kind of is like. Oh. Did you have a permit to fish? Yeah, that's straight away. <laughs> yeah. Which makes you wonder how many people probably didn't report it because they might have not have had camping permits or fire permits or you know what I mean. They just left. The next unlucky camp is to have a run-in with the, the bear where 14-year-old schoolmates, John Cook and Steve Ashlock, whom had hiked to Trout Lake for three days of fishing and fun. By the time the boys had set up camp, they had already witnessed several bears, both black and grizzly, come to the lake for a drink, and the boys figured the backcountry springs had dried up due to the drought, so it was like one of the hottest summers they'd experienced in a long time. The next day, John and Steve were exploring the logjam, looking for a way to cross it, when they heard a ruckus at their camp behind them. They turned to find a mangy-looking grizzly eating a loaf of their bread. Both the boys knew that grizzlies generally ran from humans, so they snuck up about five metres from the bear, I mean too close, and began shouting in an attempt to scare it off. Five metres is, like, not far. That's a jump scare. That's not like I'm yeah. scared. That's not like that's, fight or flight. That's <laughs> you want to like hope five, it flies. Five metres is too... Five <laughs> That's comfier. We didn't think about this. No, but you are, you are right, though. That's, like, I feel like that's too too close to scare a bear away. You'll get that fight or flight response, and it's usually fight when they when they get shocked sort of thing. It can't be a 50-50 thing with a bear. It's got to be a 80-20. Yeah. It's not running. The bear wasn't bothered. It looked at them indifferently and continued eating. The boys began pelting the animal with rocks, which made the bear stand on its hind legs, shuffle closer to them, and now it was growling. The boys continued yelling, which only agitated the bear further, and it increased its growl. Steve and John switched to throwing heavier rocks. Oh, with, Jesus. Yeah. This will work. This will work. <laughs> with one hitting the bear's leg. This sent the bear rocketing away. It seemingly changed its mind mid-charge, did a 180 and returned to camp with a vengeance, ripping at the boys' canvas packs. The boys were now intimidated by the bear's speed and power and decided it was safest to retreat back to the logjam. <laughs> I didn't know a bear, bear was it? <laughs> Holy shit, did you do this thing move? <laughs> Dude, though, you do. It's what look you, how big it is. It can move. It, can. it is. Like, you look at them, though, and you're like, so big. And then they move, and you're just like... It moves like the wind. <laughs> oh, nimbly bimbly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we should have taken that tutorial before coming out here. Yeah. I think a lot of them did feel that way. They're like, hang on a minute. Once the bear was finished with the boy's belongings, including 10 of their freshly caught trout, it began making its way along the log jam. The boys began retreating further along the log jam where the logs thinned and there was nothing but a channel of icy lake water. When the grizzly became distracted by an old trout laid out on one of the logs, the boys decided the best course of action was to enter the lake and try and swim around the bear to the eastern shore above their campsite. 
but they remembered bears were good swimmers and were worried about it intercepting These them. guys have more than bear problems. <laughs> their, logic, their logic and... <laughs> Well, I, you would think you'd be like, oh, swim around. And you're like, wait a minute, they swim. Like, I think they were pretty desperate at this stage. They were pretty scared. So just as they were concocting another plan, the bear decided he was done with the old trout and headed back to the campsite. While the bear was busy with the camp, Steve and John snuck across a log jam towards the camp. When they got close, they stepped into the shallow water by the shoreline and waded out and ran for the trail to Lake McDonald Ranger Station. By the time the boys reached the station, night had fallen and a ranger advised them to wait until morning before returning for what was left of their gear. The ranger told the boys the bear had been a problem all summer and they were planning to do something about it. Again, um, this is becoming... But a... that's kind of also like, where's your your duty of care when you're sending the kids back in that's what I was with just thinking. a bear? Like, oh, go get your goods now. Daylight, scared. Scared of sun. Bear's scared of sun. It's a vampire bear. Yeah. <laughs> The boys returned to the camp to find almost all their belongings completely destroyed. One of their packs had been dragged along a trail into the woods to a hole in the dirt about 12 metres up the hillside. Mm -hmm. John and Steve gathered what they could and left. A couple of days later, an official report appeared in the park's record stating it was a backcountry incident and no action was taken. Oh, this is just... This is a definite... This is a script here for a movie. Yeah. I'm telling you. So around 14 kilometres as the crow flies from Trout Lake is a place called Granite Park Chalet. It's basically a remote centre meeting point for a bunch of backcountry trails at the top of a mountain. It only opens for two months of the year during the summer. So it's like a bed and breakfast kind of thing. You you would hike the trails and then you would stay there overnight. If you, like you had to pay for it and everything. And there was like hot meals and that. Which would look very good after being on the trails oh God, all day. So six kilometres down one of the trails at the bottom of a series of long switchbacks is the Going to the Sun Highway. Like it's a very popular road. It's like the main road that cuts through the park. And it's the closest you can get to the chalet without going in on foot or horseback. So 6Ks is as as close as you can get without having to get out of your car and ride a horse or hike there. It's basically this two-story building made from stones and timber that can house travellers overnight offering a warm bed and a hot meal. It's on a mountainside in a clearing surrounded by forest. That year, the place was being managed by a husband and wife, Tom and Nancy Walton, who had no idea what they were in for. Tom was 23 and studying for his master's, so this was a good way to earn some extra money in between semesters. The Waltons had packed their way to the chalet on horseback in late June. So they had to bring all their supplies in on a horse. Like, that's how remote it was. You had to go and pack up the horse and and drag it in. Yeah. The Waltons would take care of the chalet guests, and a lady called Mrs. Anderson ran a team of girls who looked after the cooking, cleaning, and general upkeep of the chalet. One of Tom's chores was to get the garbage incinerator where all the trash was disposed of working. Someone had bought an incorrect part, so he couldn't get it working properly. The incinerator could barely burn the rubbish from the staff, let alone the chalet guests on top of that. Tom told his wife they would have to figure out another system. Grizzlies were the main attraction at the chalet, and most of the guests had hiked the area for a chance to see them. But so far, none of the staff of the Waltons had seen a single grizzly and were worried they may lose their main draw card. Tom was wary of grizzlies. He'd grown up in bear country, and although he knew they were relatively harmless, he was also aware that the chalet was six kilometres from the nearest road. It had absolutely no medical facilities and not a single firearm. So the chalet was busy being prepared for visitors, and by the third night, everything was good to go. Tom was readying for bed and went to secure the front door. While doing so, he opened it momentarily and scanned the area outside with his flashlight. The beam landed on a giant grizzly standing on its haunches about 30 metres away. He shouted to the staff to not go outside as there's a bear out there. And two of the housekeeping ladies immediately jumped up and ran outside in search of the animal. (laughs) Luckily, it had moved on. Tom wondered 
It's insane. Hey, Tom wondered why anyone would want to be running around in the dark with a grizzly. He was like, don't go out there. There's a bear. And they're like, really? He like jumped up and ran out. He's waiting for something to happen so he can go, I told you so. Yeah. (laughs) Over the next few nights, grizzlies would come and go from the chalet, leaving only their prints behind to signal they had been there. So it's still like snowing around there. The staff and the Waltons were most fascinated by the tracks of a mother bear. Shut up. It's like (laughs) when you poop yourself. (laughs) What? You do that? They were most <laughs> they were most fascinated by the tracks of a mother bear and her cubs, but no matter how late they stayed up, they never saw them. Soon there were so many tracks they were overlapping each other, and some even went straight up to the front door. Old timers would explain to Tom that the bears of Granite Park had been coming to the chalet for years to eat the food scraps that were left out for them, and they were probably there chasing an easy meal. By the middle of July, the majority of the snow on the trails to the chalet had cleared, and the Waltons were receiving regular visitors by the dozens. Mrs. Anderson, the head housekeeper, was a real clean freak and was getting annoyed by the garbage. With more guests, there was more trash and the little incinerator could no longer keep up. Mr. Walton had poked holes in a 190-litre drum and was attempting to burn the excess trash in it. However, each morning it would find, he would find the drum knocked over, having been inspected by the bears who ate any unburnt leftovers. Mr. Walton spoke with his boss and Mrs. Anderson in order to solve the problem, and it was decided to return to the old ways for trash disposal, which was just dumping that shit in a shallow gully about 45 metres behind the chalet. <laughs> probably sh- not a dumb idea at this point. Because <laughs> I'm pretty sure, like, the chalet held about, like, 60, 65 people or yeah. something. But that incinerator they got, like, they said it was the wrong one. I think it only burnt for enough, like, 10 people Yeah, it was, like, 10 max. or 11 people. At so the- imagine the amount of, like, garbage they're having to get rid of. But it's not like you could not have just called in for another part as well. Like, you're going to be there for three months, like... So they got, they're not burning the rubbish properly because they're, they're not set doing, up for yep, it. They, they just, don't have a gun. They don't mm-hmm. have medical supplies. Nope. And grizzly bears just, like, coming at your front door. And, and they've, been doing, they've been doing it for years. So mm. the grizzlies have been accustomed to going there and getting food. So each night, Tom would carry a large bucket of garbage to the shallow gully where it would be emptied out. Imagine that job. (laughs) (laughs) Don't know. I I was waiting for a joke from you then, Josh Lucky's wife, probably so naggy, he'd rather risk the bears than spend a single minute with her. (laughs) Please come get me. Garbage time? (laughs) He took it out 10 minutes ago. (laughs) (laughs) He's got his bells on, shaking. (laughs) Come get me. The the bears soon began showing up regularly just after dark. At first, it wasn't always the same bears, and it wasn't just grizzlies. There were black bears too. A big bear with silver tip. Like it was a big grizzly bear, and they called it the silver tip. Big mm. is that what do they call it? Silver tip. Well, it's got like a. It's not really silver. It's just got lighter ends of its hair. Big like triumphant bastard. He's <laughs> <laughs> got a mohawk. So they, it was a good looking bear. Yeah, they called it the silver tipped grizzly. Mm. There was another smaller bear as well, and. There was, a, there was also a consistent set of tracks, a big bear and her cubs, but they never saw that bear. They would only ever see its tracks. Yeah, they'd only see the other two. Yeah, they'd only see the silver tip grizzly and the, the smaller bear. Yeah. Most nights there was a bear that would make its way up from Granite Park Campground where it would wait for two other bears, a grizzly, uh, the silver tip grizzly and a black bear, to finish eating and then it would pick through their scraps. It was smaller and couldn't front up to the others, so it would wait its turn and then head back down the trail towards the Granite Park Campground that wasn't too far away. These bears, the silver tip and the small bear, soon became regulars, and Mr. Walton and the staff could predict their arrival and behaviour to the amazement of the guests. 
It didn't take long for word of mouth about the bear show to spread, and soon the chalet was hosting up to 65 guests every night, which was absolute capacity. The bears are going, excellent. <laughs> it's working. <laughs> Keep dancing. <laughs> <more than that>. <laughs> <laughs> naturalists and rangers would lead hikes to the chalet. So naturalists... The rangers like, actually got out and done something, leading <laughs> hikes. <laughs> well, that was like their main... That was one of their main roles. Like, So if they had to lead a hike and they're like, there's a grizzly, they're like, well, I've got to lead this hike. You know what I mean? naturalists were like they were either like biologists or like zoologists or something and they would take people on a hike and then they would talk about like whatever specification they were into so if it was botany mm. they'd be like look at the pretty flowers and if it was zoology or they'd be like look at the birds like yeah. you know what i mean oh, you'd be, you'd, i don't That'd know what it's like, but you'd probably be able to book like a certain like guide yes. tour, like, like you say go look at plants you'd get the botanist i don't think you can do that i think they just say there's a naturalist tour at 7 a.m or and whatever you get what put you your given. name yeah so you don't really know what it's going to be they have a broad idea of what to talk about but usually they would like direct you towards their specification that mm. they know most about the- oh, damn it, i got the butterfly guy again yeah. <laughs> 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 the naturalists and the rangers would lead hikes to the chalet where the guests would enjoy a warm dinner and sit in the chalet's main dining room to hear a short talk about their own speciality so again like if you talked about if you were a biologist talk about bears or butterfly man or whatever then the guests would sing songs so gay. So, yeah. <laughs> she <just> does sound. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Maybe it was like Cardi B, WAP. <laughs> Seven <laughs> days a week. Certified <laughs> freak. Pull out gay week. Where is it? Just imagine. <laughs> 65 no. of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was more like row, row, row your boat. Yeah. I don't know if I love it or hate it. What? They okay. actually saying, are you saying they did? Or yeah, just, they yeah. all 65 of them would sit around and they'd sing, um, what was it, like, she'll be coming around the mountain or row, row, row your boat. Oh, or yeah. This is why Silvertips are like, I've had enough. No, this is why TV was invented. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm so torn between whether I think it's the lamest shit ever or, like, it's super cool. Yeah, everybody no. drink your punch and we'll blame it on bears. There's no alcohol there as well. <laughs> I was leaning more towards <laughs> poison. Was, oh, I, <laughs> I know what you mean, like the flavor aid. <laughs> It's, yeah, just I don't I don't mean to be like, uh, but it's not Kool Aid actually. The it was flavor aid that never mind. Oh, I have no anyway, idea what's going on. It was lamb. <laughs> 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 so Walton would interrupt. <laughs> row, row, row your boat. Oh no, he did not. How <laughs> dare you, Walton? So, Wait till the next verse. <laughs> I haven't even finished the boat. <laughs> so Tom would interrupt to advise the guests of the bear's imminent arrival, and all fucking sixty-five guests and the staff would make their way to the garbage gully to watch the bears. This happened every night. They'd stand not even forty meters away and watch the bears fight over food. Apparently, this wasn't the first summer this had happened either. Tom had heard from returning guests that this had been happening for decades and the grizzlies had always been the chalet's main attraction. Tom soon learned the bears would have full-on knock-down, drag-out fights over any hunks of meat to come from the pail. And on nights when the bears weren't acting exciting enough for the guests, he would chuck meat between the bears and instigate a fight. Oh, <laughs> this is so quality, right? Oh, the geez. way that it, it's, it, you feel like they're looking at it is like a like a jello wrestle. You know what I mean? Like that's what it seems like. The I'm guests like more yeah, like the yeah, UFC, yeah. like they're yeah. in the red corner. Yeah. But it's just ridiculous. Like <laughs> hailing from parts unknown. <laughs> How do you go from nursery rhymes to violence so quick? <laughs> They're like, row, 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 you this one dude in the corner. It's like, God, I want to see the blood. I want to see the claws. I want to see it. <laughs> it was highly prohibited to feed wild animals in the park, and quite a few of the rangers and naturalists who had led the hikes to the chalet had filed protests both written and Oh, verbal. now the rangers are blowing up. No, some of them were really like, they were just like, this is fucked. You can't be doing this. So they, um, they, they basically made complaints 
and um, for whatever reason, they were ignored. High Park officials would also deny that a single scrap of food was being fed to wild animals in the park. They said if it was happening, they would know about it. They fucking knew about it's like it. A like a cockfight. Like. I don't know if they didn't know about it, if they didn't check the reports, but it was reported. Like, they would have had to have known about it. They just were like, oh. I can just see one of the rangers off duty there in a black jacket. Just watch this, guys. He throws a slab in right off. Yeah. <laughs> Soon hikers began arriving in record numbers, and there wasn't always vet beds available. A lot of times, up to 10 customers would end up sleeping on the floor in their sleeping bags. All the extra garbage these guests produced cemented the bears as a permanent fixture of the chalet. Even though there had been no incidents involving the bears and guests, Tom never forgot what the grizzlies were capable of. He always advised hikers to use bear bells in order to not surprise the animals. And when hikers told him of their intentions to camp at the Granite Park campground, which was like, I don't know, like 500 metres away behind the chalet. Is this like tents only? Yeah, it's tent yeah. So there's yep. no cabins? No, or- so no there wasn't even park bench. Like There was building supplies there for park benches yeah, and stuff. They hadn't made it, it yet. It hadn't been constructed. So it's just a clearing where you can go and camp in your tent. Mm. So you legit out. In yep. the open. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's about 500 metres from the chalet, which is like would be like 450 metres from the garbage dump. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Tom couldn't help but remind them of the unpredictable nature of grizzly bears. One thing that greatly disturbed Tom was the indifference some of the chalet staff had towards the bears. Two of the young women had developed summer romances, and once their duties were complete for the evening, the girls would hike along a trail in the dead of the night to a cabin that was located about 40, 450 metres away from the chalet, here they would meet their trail worker lovers and I assume they would just hold hands and talk about Jesus. Hey now. <laughs> we'll say uh, our prayers. <laughs> things you do for love. Let's start with a nursery run. <laughs> the young women would usually head to the trail while the bears were still feeding. But if they were late, they would sometimes even follow the bears down the trail. So imagine following them that you like step on a twig and like turns around. Oh, they didn't like Tom warned the girls about how dangerous this was, but his warning fell on deaf ears. They didn't give a fuck. Watch out for the bears and wear protection. They thought he was an old man. He was 23. You thought, what? Because <laughs> they were like young. They were like, these girls were like 16, 17, 18. Bloody crazy old Tom at it again. <laughs> He's 23. He's a child. By the beginning of August 1967, the park was experiencing its busiest season yet. The park was inundated with visitors, which spread the park rangers very thinly. To make matters worse, the rangers were often pulled from regular duties to fight fires that were breaking out due to the drought. They didn't have enough rangers to deal with the multiple reports coming in about face-to-face encounters at Granite Park and Trout Lake. So back at Trout Lake, it was experiencing a large number of visitors due to the overall increase in guests to the park. People were trying to find their own little sanctuaries in the wild. On Tuesday, August 8th, 1967, schoolteacher Jerry Chase and his wife, Sharon, were guiding the girls of Scout Troop 367 from Kalispell, Montana, to Trout Lake for a three-day trip. Jerry had brought along his little pony, Sage, as a pack horse, helping carry the provisions for the six young girls. That's such a cute name, little Sage. She's a little grey pony. Mm. This seems sweet. They arrived- He's so cute. Carry out shit. Sage. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when you watch a movie where the animals are involved there and you're like, that bear better not get yeah, that Yeah, every time. Like, yeah. That's the foreplay moves. The animal goes first and that's yeah. when the violence starts to heat up. Before I had a kid, I'd be like, go for the girls. Now I have a kid, I'm like, children are precious. <laughs> Throw the donkey in front. <laughs> they arrived at the lake and read the last trail entry, caught 15 beautiful trout and lost them to a bear. Sharon and Jerry noted a lot of the entries mentioned the bear, but they weren't overly concerned. They were veteran hikers in Glacier, and they doubted a bear would bother a camp full of noisy girls. I'm actually impressed with the amount of fish people are catching here. They've yeah. all got 15 fish. Yeah. Well, it's like an untouched wilderness, really. Like, there's, it's not overfished or anything. Like I said, it's a good fishing spot because most people were deterred by how hard it was to access. So if you have, like, knee problems, you're not fishing there. 
They changed their mind a little when they were greeted at the campsite near the log jam by a bunch of torn up cans and items. There were torn packs, clothes and camping gear strewn about the area. The chasers made a mental note to be extra cautious of any bears, but didn't say anything to the girls who were having a great time. The girls went fishing and set up camp. They put up all their belongings in a canvas sack and hoisted it up into a high tree, ensuring it was out of the reach of animals. Before going to bed, the girls made popcorn over the fire, burning some which they discarded on the ground next to the fire grate. The girls then readied for bed. They'd laid out a tarp on the ground for their sleeping bags and had a matching tarp overhead. The girls lined up their sleeping bags side by side and hopped in. They chatted and giggled until almost midnight where they drifted off to sleep. Jim was camping about 15 metres away down the log jam with his sweet little sage, the pony. He had been trying to fall asleep but was struggling to relax. He had experienced many close encounters with grizzlies in the past, but a combination of being responsible for the girls and also the reports of the strange bear had him on edge. Sometime after midnight, Jerry found himself sitting bolt upright in his sleeping bag, unsure as to what had awoken him. Then he heard subtle splashing in the lake's water by the log jam. Yeah, the water sage. <laughs> she was tethered. She was a good pony. I'm so thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot to water me. Yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be scary, Josh. <laughs> that is scary. Lack of water is terrifying. <laughs> Jerry was now listening hard when again he heard the unnatural movement in the water. Sage had begun to whinny loudly, moving back and forth on her tether, and the splashing became more frantic as though something was pushing through the lake towards her. See, them. that's creepy. Starts yeah. whinnying and then something <laughs> falls. Yeah. Jerry sprung from his sleeping bag, grabbing his torch. He ran to the lake shore, searching the shoreline with the beam, but it was too hazy and he couldn't really see anything. Jerry returned to his sleeping bag, and it took a long time for him to return to sleep. When the girls rose the next morning, 13-year-old Karen was sure someone had stood on her foot in the night, although the only member of the camp to have gotten up was a girl sleeping at the opposite end of the row from Karen and had gone nowhere near her. This, coupled with the disappearance of the burnt popcorn from the ground near the fire, led the girls to believe a grizzly had entered the camp in the dead of the night. The chasers tried to convince the girls that it was probably just squirrels, but this didn't change their minds, and the scout troop remained on edge, with some girls not wanting to venture from the camp at all. During the afternoon, the girls held a vote and decided they no longer wanted to be at Trout Lake, they decided after they had finished dinner, they would pack up camp, cutting their three-day adventure short. After the girls had eaten their steaks, they readied their packs for the hike out. One of the girls, Patty, who was Susie's twin, was trying to get the canvas bag of food hanging from the tree down, but the rope was stuck, so she shimmied up the tree to retrieve it. When she got to the top of the tree into the bag, she exclaimed, How do you like me now, bear? That's not really what happened, if you can't tell. Damn, that was really, that <laughs> a roller coaster when I was going I mean, down. We weren't there, that could have happened. <laughs> she said, Okay, bear, I'm ready for you now. Which is a weird thing to say. The girls below groaned in mock laughter and Patty returned with the bag to the ground. Within moments of returning to the forest floor, Patty lifted a trembling finger and pointed towards the tree where Sage was tied. There he is, she screamed. Jerry was sick of the joking about the bear and began getting up Patty for the trickery when movement caught his eye from the direction in which she was pointing. He turned to see a brownish bear creeping up on the sleepy pony. The bear had almost reached Sage when she noticed him and sprinted away from him to the end of her tether. The bear reared up and then took after the pony on all fours. Sage waited until the bear almost had her, then she swiftly sidestepped it, running away to the other end of the tether, whinnying in terror. The pony must have seemed like too much effort, and the bear switched its attention to Sage's saddle blanket, sitting down to chew on it. Which I guess is kind of like, they say that, that the bears are eating garbage because they can't catch prey. You know what I mean? Yeah, and when I read this, I was like, this is so bullshit. I put my mind in the pony's mind, thinking... I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. Oh, there's the end of the oh. tether. Oh, got to step it. Go, go, go. Oh, nope, stop again. Yeah, I this think is it, so unfair. 
I think it was like what 25, 25 meters long. The yeah, tether was yep. it some something like that. Twenty five. That's a that's a long tether. You would think she would get caught in the trees. I'd like, be more I don't worried know. about you, running through camp coat hanging people yeah, with twenty five meters. Well, like not that close to camp, but you ever tied a dog to something and then you come out like ten minutes later and the leash is just through every single thing near it and you in between and its, its legs. Yeah, and, and it's just like looking at you like help me. Yeah. <laughs> like how did you get in this mess? Jerry shouted for the girls to get up the hill, all six of them and Sharon obliged, and they quickly scrambled up behind the trail. The girls stopped to watch Jerry running down towards Sage as the bear ate leftovers from dinner. Sharon ordered the girls to try and climb the trees, but most of the trees lacked lower limbs, so instead they stayed together and retreated a further 15 metres up the slope. By this stage, the bear had begun destroying the campground. The girls began to lose their tempers at the sight of their gear being destroyed and began pelting it with rocks, which it didn't even acknowledge. Jerry picked up a rock, almost too big to carry, and launched it into the bear's skinny ribs. It woofed once, but didn't stop eating. Oh, jeez, this thing's a terminator. Right? Sharon was throwing smaller stones and managed to hit the bear straight in the nose. It recoiled, pouring at its face and retreated towards the logjam. So this is like what you see a lot in like Muay Thai. It's not about the strength, you know? It's about your skill and where you hit him. Jeez, had a lucky shot at the nose. <laughs> <laughs> Only after a moment's pause, the bear began barreling off the logs and up towards Sharon and the girls. Jerry picked up a bunch of rocks and told the girls he he would deal with the bear and for them to salvage what they could from camp. He inserted himself between the troop and the charging bear and began hurling rocks. Oh, so at the him. bear's running at him. Yep. And, and he's, he's like, oh, He take inserted it. himself between the troop and the charging bear and began hurling rocks at it while the girls returned to camp. Like, what a fucking nutsack on this dude. My man. Yeah, I was about to say, how can you move that quick with those big bars, <laughs> balls in between his legs? <laughs> he's probably thinking, if I turn and run now, I can still outrun them. <laughs> <laughs> As they hurried to pack up what they could. And this still, like, boggles me. Like, you just leave your shit, hey. Yeah. Oh, like, fuck it. Grab the baked beans. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. I'm gone. Like, whatever. I don't care. I leave my... Like, leave my siblings behind. Like, I, <laughs> let alone a fucking tent. I'd cut the donkey's ankle. And just, like, no, we don't do that. You choose the least, the one you least liked out of your group of friends. <laughs> a donkey over your least friend. There was a girl friend. called Karen in the group. Yeah, no, and she, she was needs. making up shit. <laughs> she, 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 no, was the best fury. She needs to go. S- I want to talk to the scout leader. <laughs> yeah, gave her the national park manager. So, as they hurried to pack up what they could, Jerry was involved in a somewhat back and forth fight with the grizzly. He would attack the bear with rocks and it would retreat momentarily and return to chasing him until it was once again struck in the face with a rock. The grizzly soon grew tired of this to-and-fro game and charged at Jerry full speed. Now, like we talked about, this man had a set of balls on him because he stared the bear down and stood his ground. We didn't really have any other options, I guess. could have ran. He could have dived or fucking cried. I don't know, fetal (laughs) position. He, he had many choices. Yeah. <laughs> he threw several rocks at, at once, causing the grizzly. Do you remember when we do that as kids? You throw rocks at each other and you'd be like, machine gun and just throw a handful Shotgun. of rocks at once. Yeah. <laughs> so he threw several rocks at once, causing the grizzly to hesitate only slightly. There's more but, of them. <laughs> <laughs> but giving Jerry a chance to flee back to camp. He briefly glanced at the bear over his shoulder to see it disappearing into the brush nearby the log jam. While this was going on, the girls had been frantically retrieving their ravaged belongings. Jerry hastily informed his wife and the troop that the animal was gone and they needed to leave right away. He saddled up Sage and was busy tying bags to her when his wife yelled, here it comes again. The bear had reappeared on the trail by the log jam. Sharon, being a badass like her husband, told the group and Jerry she would hold off the bear while they finished up. She then marched towards the grizzly and launched a small rock in its direction. (laughs) 
Stop. I don't know whether these people are brave or stupid. Yeah, yeah it, goes in, it goes in between, I think, at times. In a bizarre act, the bear stopped walking towards them and laid down on the trail calmly, observing the frantic scene with its head resting on its forepaws as if it were a puppy. Why you go to rock at me? <laughs> He's trying to draw her in. Yeah. I'm so cute and cuddly. <laughs> Jerry advised the girls and Sharon to leave and he followed along behind them with the terrified pony. Once they were clear of the camp, they watched as the bear got up and made its way back to the items the campers had abandoned. With the grizzly now concentrating on food scraps, 13-year-old Susie felt brave enough to take out a camera which remained undamaged. From the safety of the top of the hill, Susie snapped a single picture of the strange animal as it ambled back onto the log jam. When the group finally made it back to Lake McDonald, it was dark and they were all beyond exhausted. They had all spoken about reporting the incident to the local ranger, but Jerry didn't see the point in doing that. The trail register was full of writings of similar occurrences with the dangerous grizzly. Jerry wouldn't be telling them anything they didn't yeah, already Yeah, so this know. is where it gets bad because pe- you just give up. You're like, well, well, the thing the about point? the trail books is, as well, in the registers, they don't get collected and read until the end of the season. Mm. So the rangers didn't know about what was being written in the the trail registers. So you wait till the end of the year. So yeah, yeah the start of the, the season. season. Yep. So these people were writing in it, assuming the rangers checked them, but they didn't. They would collect them at the end of the season. That's a... That's a pretty. So a lot, a lot of these people weren't actually directly reporting, unless you actually went to the ranger station and like Mm -hmm. directly reported it to them. Like, hey, Jimmy's killed someone. Uh, 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 Wait till the end of the season. Put it in the box. Don't (laughs) spoil it. (laughs) What sort of piece of shit are you though? If you were just to write that in a trail (laughs) book. When the group returned to Kalispell, Susie told her regular scout leader about the encounter and was immediately dismissed by the chuckling adult. Susie, refusing to be labelled a fibber, took her roll of film straight to the only daily oh, newspaper. I love Susie. Yeah, right. Yeah. What a bad bitch. She took her roll of film straight to the only daily newspaper in Cali Spell. The next day, Thursday, the tenth of August, nineteen sixty-three, a picture of the Trout Lake Bear was front and center, page one of the newspaper. The day after that, the newspaper man Mel Rudder travelled into Glacier National Park to sell his paper and have a chat to some park rangers that were old friends. That day, he informed the rangers about the dangerous situation at Trout Lake. The bear had been hanging around all summer and he had written a story about Steve Ashlock and John Cook's encounter just the other day, those two teenagers, the two 14-year-olds. Yeah, right. The rangers at headquarters expressed to Rudder they had been flat out putting out fires. I don't know if it's like literally or figuratively. but they <laughs> Probably would, both. They would look into it. Rudder left to sell his papers at another location and as he went about his day, he could not ignore the growing dread he felt. He knew that any day now something terrible was going to happen. And he was right. Only two nights later, one person would be critically injured and two people dead, having been eaten alive by the wayward grizzlies of Glacier National Park. That is part one of a two-part story. (laughs) This is bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta make wait, gotta milk it for all it's worth. You know bad stuff's coming. Well, I haven't read it, and don't Mm. correct me if I'm right. I won't. But I feel like... Don't correct you if you're right. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> do you want to be right or do you want to be wrong? I think I'm, I think I'm having just, a stroke. <laughs> just never speak. I reckon Susie, T, and Hindle's going to be like, you know, let's get together. They're going to wear bandanas and they're like, it's, it's go time. They're going to be like carving sticks out of into spears. You know what? Not a bad Hollywood movie. No. Well, so far it's been yeah, Hollywood. You want to put that into a script there? We might <laughs> yeah. send it off. What happens at Granite Park, do you reckon? Oh, well, well all I know is uh, Hindles plays Bruce Willis. Uh, Bruce Willis plays Hindles. <laughs> no, oh, no, we, we, that's Trout Lake. What happens at Granite Park? <laughs> oh, that one. Uh, Granite Park. Oh, I have no idea. Have a, have a guess. Oh, I think Silvertip. No, he seems like a pretty cool kind of guy. I mean, Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Stop personifying them. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I think 
I think the girls cop it, and old buddy's like, oh, I freaking told him so, and he's so happy about it. Can What's his name? The Tom. two two girls that were running off their lovers. Oh, yeah. He's been telling them, oh, don't do it, don't yeah. do it. They're going to see the their end, boyfriends down the trail. Listen, yeah. uh, and it sounds horrific, but I'd probably be a little bit satisfied as well that they she, finally. I kind of, I told you so. I moment. told you so. You and know, they called him old. Do you know funny. what I reckon they were singing while they were going down the trail? I don't cook, I don't clean. Let me tell you how to cut this ring. What are you going to say? Row, row, row. Can you make me a promise, though, Josh? Make promises. You got to promise. Promise? No. Yeah, maybe. Why? You're gonna promise you're not gonna Google what happens. Yeah, I promise. I don't have time to Google stuff. <laughs> I have time to Google. <laughs> so busy. Are you a CEO of a company? How can you join us this afternoon? Like, I do feel blessed to you, John. Yeah. I I don't feel blessed because I'm the one who made you blessed. <laughs> <laughs> so when we return, we're gonna we're gonna find out what happens, and Josh is promising not to Google it. Promise, guys. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you have a good week, I guess. I don't know. Maybe if you're a shit person, I probably don't hope you have a good week. And stay safe out there, guys. <laughs> Unless you're a shit person. Unless like you're I a said. terrible person. <laughs> and sure have you, a terrible time. <laughs> make sure you got those bells on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. See ya. Joshua, don't be rude. Sorry, uh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs>